Today we celebrate Divine Mercy Sunday, and Divine Mercy Sunday is the eighth day of the octave of Easter. And so a few things to kind of know about that. That's one of the reasons why we're using incense. Normally we don't use incense every Sunday, and it's not just, uh, I'm not just using it because there's nobody here to complain about it. Um, I'm using it because it's part of the octave of Easter. And so there's a greater solemnity, kind of a greater dignity that we give to it. Um, And so we add certain things to it. And one of the things, the great gifts of being able to add incense to it, it, one of the beautiful things that I see in the worship of being able to add incense to it, is that it's not just another thing, uh, but one of the things that it interacts with is, you know, we worship in a physical way, right? Through, Through hearing through sound, through touching. And one of the things that incense does is is it engages one of our senses of smell. Now, obviously, you can't smell it at home, but but that is part of the interaction, right? That it engages all of the senses of our human person. And we want to do that, especially during these eight days of Easter um, that ends today, but we still have the Easter season, but the eight days right here, uh, because eight days is kind of that fullness, that full week, the eighth day, kind of there's seven days in the week, and the eighth day is kind of an extension, an uh, addition, the fullness. And so what I always like to say to, you know, kind of help us think a little bit more Catholic uh, in it all is that, you know, for really big, important things in your own life, you should have an octave as well. That's why for my birthday, I always celebrate an octave of, you know, eight days of my birthday. Every single day is my birthday because just one day just isn't quite enough to celebrate, right? And so I encourage you to also uh, choose something like that. Maybe it's your uh, wedding anniversary or, or something else that, you know, is a, is, a, is a big deal and to be able to do that. In fact, even better than your birthday is you should celebrate an octave for your baptismal anniversary. But that's a whole other thing. Today uh, is Divine Mercy Sunday. It's the eighth day. It's the, it's the fullness of that. And John Paul II instituted it as Divine Mercy Sunday. And today we specifically remember the mercy of God, which is different than our mercy in a lot of ways. We see today in the readings a little bit about the way that God's mercy, which of course we see God's mercy, divine mercy, throughout all of Jesus' life and throughout all of scriptures. But today we specifically have the gospel that we have, and so I'd like to kind of unpack that a little bit. We see that Jesus is not surprised by his disciples' fear or sin, right? The disciples are closed in because of fear, and he goes to them. Now, our normal interaction might be saying, well, the disciples walked with Jesus. They know that he rose from the dead. They know what Jesus should do. And so, you know what? They need to grow up. <laughs> they need to, you know, start acting like adults, start acting like the disciples of Jesus. And they should be taking the steps to, you know, start approaching Jesus and start evangelizing. But God doesn't just wait for them. He, in his mercy, goes to them, right? And he doesn't say, come on, you guys, you're supposed to be out preaching my name. He first says, peace be with you, right? There's a lot of different things that we could think that Jesus would want to say. He's like, why don't you get it, you know? But he says, 
peace be with you. Right? Peace be with you. And he says that twice before he sends them. And then he gives them this amazing gift even before they've done anything, even before they've actually went out, right? He knows that they're weak. He knows that they need help. And so he gives them the, right? Receive the Holy Spirit. Whose sins you forgive are forgiven them. This amazing gift that he's given, even though that they haven't done anything, that is the mercy of God. Now, it goes even deeper than that, right? Because one of the apostles is gone. Thomas, called Didymus. And he says, you know, that everyone's like, hey, we've seen the Lord. You know, it was super exciting. And Thomas doesn't believe. In his sin, in his disbelief, in his fear, he doesn't believe. Even though that he has all of the apostles and disciples saying, hey, this happened, he says, no. Now, again, our normal reaction would be, or at least my normal reaction would be, Thomas needs to have a little bit of faith, right? You know, he needs, to, he needs to grow up, he needs to have some faith, he needs to trust those around him. But Jesus doesn't just leave him at that, right? He once again meets a sinner where they are. And he comes specifically just for Thomas's sake. He comes for that one, that lost sheep. And he comes to him and says once again, not Thomas, I'm here, come on. But he starts with, peace be with you. Right? He's got to do it again. Peace be with you. And it's from this interaction, this divine mercy which goes out and seeks the lost sinner, that we get uh, the start of an amazingly deep faith. Thomas, even though that initially, right, the other apostles go a little bit deeper because they understand the resurrection, Thomas is stuck in his sin, um, whichever way you want to go, right? But Thomas, uh, when he finally interacts, he goes so much deeper in his understanding of who Jesus is because he kind of leapfrogs and is able to say, in my sin, you came to me and says, my Lord and my God which is a monumental shift. My Lord is something that they talked before, but this is a monumental shift. My Lord and my God, right? Fully human, fully divine. My Lord and my God. And so we see the way that divine mercy, what it does is it gives us a deeper faith that God uses all for the good of those who love him. Now for ourselves, we probably, probably, uh, we all do struggle with, with some sort of sin, even if we don't recognize it always, right? We might say, well, during this uh, coronavirus, I haven't had to, you know, I haven't gotten angry at anybody because there's nobody to get angry at, right? Or, you know, I haven't had any interactions for sin because I'm not out in the world. But I would say there's plenty of ways to turn away from God, plenty of ways uh, to lack in love, even if we're in isolation, right? We're still called uh, to love God and to love neighbor in whatever ways that we can, and we sometimes fail in the midst of that all. But how do we respond to our failure in it all? Now, sometimes we hear about this Catholic guilt, right? Oh, Catholics have this huge amount of guilt. Uh, 
and, and we kind of joke about it, or at least I've heard it joked about, right? Catholic guilt. And, and that's a bad thing, right? Oh, I shouldn't. Uh, and so sometimes we go on the pendulum, right? We have an excessive amount of Catholic guilt, right? So we're horrible people, and we just have to be horrible sinners, and we're not good at all. Um, but sometimes we can swing to the other side, and this is where I see most of our culture being today, of saying, well, I'm not that bad. I haven't killed anybody, so I'm good, right? We should be somewhere in the middle. <laughs> somewhere where we have, where we realize where we've really sinned. You know, we're not ignoring sin, but we also don't see ourselves as completely sin, right? Where, uh, you know, there's no, nothing that we can do at all. We should be somewhere in the middle, now, one of the books that I recommend uh, to people to kind of unpack and to be able to say, how do we respond to the divine mercy? How do we respond to our sin and to God's mercy in the midst of this all? Um, I encourage anybody to get this book, Searching for and Maintaining Peace. Uh, it's by Jacques Philippe, who's a, who's a French uh, priest, and he uh, does an amazing job. It's a very small book. Uh, it's very simple writing, but it's incredibly deep. Um, and very insightful. And I'd like to just read a few things about his kind of explanation about the divine mercy, specifically dealing with our sin, right? How do we respond to our sin and divine mercy, okay? So what he kind of starts out with is, you know, when we have sinned, how do we respond? And he says... You know, if we want to look and say, how should we respond when we fall into sin? He says, what is more pleasing to God? Is it that after experiencing a failure, we are discouraged and tormented? So is that how God is pleased? Or when we, react, we, when we do, we react by saying, Lord, I ask your pardon. I have sinned again. This, alas, is what I am capable of doing on my own. But I abandon myself with confidence to your mercy and your pardon. I thank you for not allowing me to sin even more grievously. I abandon myself to you with confidence because I know that one day you will heal me completely. And in the meantime, I ask you that the experience of my misery would cause me to be more humble, more considerate of others, more conscious that I can do nothing by myself, but that I must rely solely on your love and your mercy. Which one's more pleasing to God? Well, I, I, it's not the discouraged and tormented. It's the responding to God in humility. It says that one of the other uh, ways is that the, um, one of the other kind of interactions that we need to kind of understand is that when we sin, the sadness and discouragement that we feel regarding our failures and our faults are really pure. They are often a good part mixed with pride. And so when we experience a huge amount of disquiet, a huge amount of discouragement, it's often because we had too much pride in ourselves to start out with. Right? Um, another writer that he quotes in here says, a presumptuous man believes with certainty so presumptuous means that you presume something, right? I presume that you're going to give me $100, right? And so I act as though you're going to already do that, and I already spend that $100, right? That's presumption. And so a presumptuous man believes with certainty that he has acquired distrust of himself and confidence in God. 
uh, which are the foundations of the spiritual life, and therefore that which one must make effort to acquire. But this is an error that we never recognize better than when we have just experienced a failure. So what he's saying there is that we think that we've completely abandoned a God. But we recognize when we haven't, when in failure, because if one is troubled by our failure, if one feels afflicted by the failure, if the failure causes one to lose all hope of making new progress in virtue, this is a sign that one has placed all of his confidence not in God, but in himself. And the greater the sadness and despair, the more one must judge himself guilty. Because one who mistrusts himself greatly and who puts great confidence in God is hardly surprised when they fall. This is the mercy of God. The mercy of God is not something that beats us down, but is something that allows us to be able to go to God in our sin. To recognize, to not be surprised by our sin or our failure and to say, God, you can't come near me. But his divine mercy, the whole reason why he died for us is so that we might go to him. That he might come to us. When we sin, we want to go to the divine mercy as quickly as we can. Sometimes in our pride we want to retreat from him. But that's the exact opposite of what he wants us to do. He wants us to be able to return to our spiritual life as quickly as we can. And we do that by falling into him. We ask, how can I present myself before him in this state? Well, the great, you know, um, this question of like, how can I present myself to him in this state? And to say like, I'm not, I can't even go to church, right? I can't go to church or else I'm going to burst in this flame. Well, this is nothing but false humility inspired by the devil. We have the example of uh, St. Therese of Lisieux, St. John of the Cross, St. Augustine, who tell us to turn to God. Why? Because God is mercy himself. Um, Jacques Philippe says, Our sins are a very poor pretext for distancing ourselves from him. Because the more we sin, the more we have a right precisely to approach him who says, The healthy are in no need of a doctor. The sick are. Indeed, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. So, if you're righteous, you have no need of God. But if you're a sinner, you come before God. That's why he came. He came not to the perfect, not to the righteous, but to us sinners. And he didn't give us three chances. He didn't give us 77 chances. He gave us 77 times 7, 77 times 77, an infinite amount of chances. Because his will is not accomplished if he doesn't give his mercy. Now, we have to receive that mercy, right? He's not going to force himself upon us. We have to receive it. And that's where the divine mercy continues to offer himself to us. One of the greatest sacraments of this is, of course, the sacrament of reconciliation, where we encounter mercy itself, 
where we come and we bring our sins and we say, in our state, you know, like, God, how can you love me? You know, I've, I've done these things. And it's in the sacrament of reconciliation that we see mercy himself. And he says, yes, you've done these things, but I love you. Right? I love you in spite of these. I give you mercy, and you are not those sins. You are loved by me. And you're so loved by me that I came and suffered and died for you. Not so that you might run away when you sin, right? but so that you might come closer to me. And so during this divine mercy, whatever struggles you have in sin, whatever, um, whatever people in your life you kind of are judging or saying, well, they're so sinful that God can't love them. Remember that God came so that he might love us in our sin. Not in our sin in the sense of like our sin is just fine, but in mercy of acknowledging sin and saying and calling us to so much more, right? And so it's in accepting that mercy that we grow in him. If we don't accept that mercy, we don't grow. And so let us accept that mercy with him today um, and accept that mercy and to live that mercy um, and be at peace and also to give that mercy to other people, right? Um, If you have a difficulty judging people, right, probably one of the reasons is is because you judge yourself. And so let us accept the love of God, the mercy of God, so that we might love and be merciful to others. Ahem. <clears throat>